Welcome to a recording of a short Bible-based talk from Hope Church Worcester. If you're in the area and you'd like to visit us, we would love to see you. We meet in our building called the Granary, which is located in the centre of Worcester. Good morning, everyone. Hope you're well. Kerry and I were uh, actually sad to miss our first gathering back together as the LM15 last Sunday. We were actually uh, still on our summer holidays, but we trust and hear that you were ably led and uh, received a good word from one of our elders, Isaac jordan Rowell. Uh, so I hope that was a blessing, but it's brilliant to be back in the action back where it's happening, back at what I like to call one of our cosmic events. People think I'm a bit strange when I say stuff like that. But Sunday morning, or whenever local churches choose to gather as the body, it's a cosmic event. It's where it's supposed to be. It's where it's happening. It's where it's at. It's the only purposeful, meaningful place to be on a Sunday morning, worshipping Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. So as great and restful as a holiday is, it's nice to come back to where the entire universe revolves around churches that get together and worship King Jesus. Uh, but yeah, it's great to be back. It's exciting to hit the ground running again as we enter into a new academic year and what is the second year of Hope Church in the Granary Building, 12 months has flown by already, I can't believe it, but we're starting afresh once again, new season, not a transitionary season this time. We're here, we're in here, we're active and we're engaged, but it is a new academic year and it's time to hit the ground running and get the ball rolling. Now, I'm sure you'd agree though that uh, the Lord has blessed us immensely as well as laid down some challenges in our time at the Granary in this season we're living in. Uh, but through it all, we've seen both his goodness and his graciousness towards us through all the things we've gone through and all the things we're continuing to go through as a people as well. So the question is, and the, it's the one I want us to answer this morning to a certain degree, what lies ahead of us this year? And I'm speaking for us as a congregation if I can be so specific. What lies ahead for the 1115ers, as I like to refer to us as, for 2023, uh, 2022-2023 going forward? Now, the answer, actually, really, ultimately, is whatever the Lord wills to happen in this coming year. But there's an invitation. There's an invitation being extended to us that the Lord wants to bring us into and along the ride with him for in this coming year. And it's to see, the invitation is to see and it's to hear whatever he is doing and whatever he is saying and obeying him in doing that. God is always at work. Jesus says in the Gospels, I only do that which I see my Father in heaven doing. That's a framework for us. That's something for us to reflect and imitate. We only want to be doing what we see our Father in heaven doing. We don't want to be doing the programs. 
without the power. We don't want to be doing the scheduling without the spirit. We want to be doing what our Father in heaven has got planned for us as unexpected and, dare I say, crazy and strange and weird as it might be, not according to the plan, but it's according to his sovereign, providential, overarching plan he has for the 11.15. And we want to join him in that. We want to connect with him. We want to see and we want to hear what he is doing. And we need to have eyes to see that and we need to have ears to hear that in community together, not in isolation, not as individuals necessarily, but coming together and being on board for that and driving it ahead, driving ahead with the Lord what he's got for us. So it's exciting stuff. It's scary stuff. As Rich just mentioned, there's a lot of things weighing on our hearts, or I should say has the potential to weigh down on our hearts, cost of living crisis, this new monarchical era, if you're kind of following that. All these other different things that our world is always facing all the time, but God has got a purposeful plan and he is wanting us to be on board with it and to lead us into all the fresh opportunities and challenges that are ahead for us so that we can grow, we can mature, we can develop in our faith and in the life of our church. So as part of leading us into the fresh opportunities Jesus has planned for us, I would love us to kind of prepare ourselves for it as we start up in these next few weeks, these starter weeks as it were, since um, everyone's going back to school and coming back for university. I would love us to just prepare ourselves by giving a really clear vision of our identity as a congregation, specifically as the LM15. Now, I need to be really clear though, very transparent here, Hope Church has a vision. We exist and live as part of this one overarching vision we've held for many years of our existence. And so before I go on, I just want to say that we, we still have that. We still run with that. You will see that posted and plastered, but most importantly, lived out and embodied by hopers, people who call Hope Church home all the time. And that vision is to pursue God, serve people and to export hope. Say it again, it's to serve God, sorry, it's to love God, out of that to serve people and through that to export that hope that we have to everyone else, whoever we reach and connect with. Every single person who calls hope home is someone I like to call a hoper, who is recognised as being a member of Hope Church and who, and who recognises themselves as a partner with us in all that we're doing. Each of us in all three of our congregations, the 9.15, us here at the 11.15 and the 6 p.m. as well, we are all invested in and embodying that vision. We are wanting to grow and living it out more and more. What I'm talking about though today is the sort of unique DNA that makes up the flavour of us as an 11.15. And flavour isn't a great word. I was thinking about this the other day, actually. But I'm going to use it anyway, because it does, it does give the right idea. 
but we're not picking and mixing here. We're not saying, oh, I'll have a bit of that, but I don't like that. Or yeah, I'm for that, but I'm not for that. If we're in it together, we're in it together as a whole. But yet, when you are with us, when you're part of us, there is a distinct taste. There's a distinct flavor. There's a way we do things. There's a way about us. When you come into our midst, you know what you are gonna be getting, or at least what we aim to deliver, as it were, when you come and be part of us. Every congregation in Hope Church will have a kind of feel about itself or a way about them, a specific culture. This is how we do things here. This is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. But to be sure, under that and overarching all of that is our one church-wide vision, again, of loving God, serving people, and exporting hope. Everything lives and is embodied within that vision. But what about us? What does it look like when we connect as the 1115, when we get together? What's it, all, what's it all about? Well, that being said, let's spend some time looking at who we are, what makes us us, what our aspirations are, where we're going, and then, if I can, be, if I can have the privilege, to invite any of us who want to continue with that journey, to continue with us, but who might be new and just getting to know us, to say, yes, I'm on board, I'm going to ride with this. This is going somewhere that the Father's leading. So let's unpack then a little bit of what we're going to be looking at here. So let's start with what we see and what we're aiming for. I was thinking about how for anyone who may have ever used a gun, and I'm sure probably most of us here may never have used a gun, but those very infrequent times I have, not to hurt anyone, it's okay, <laughs> just for fun, practice. It was in America, obviously, of all places. But when you get a gun, you get it into position, you look down the barrel of it, and if it's a specific type of gun, you'll have a little aiming point, and you'll cock your eye, You'll use that other one just to get your aim, to get where you are going to. You're not looking, you're not looking at the gun itself. You're looking to where you want it to aim. You could use, say this about anything, bow and arrow, or even just simply throwing a ball. One of the first PE lessons you'll learn is you don't look at the arm you're throwing the ball with or with the foot you're kicking the ball with. You look to where you want it to go. Because it's when you look to where you want it to go that it should hit the spot. It should get to where you're aiming. And it's the same with us as well. If we want to get to where we are going, where we feel the Lord is guiding us, then we've got to aim at those spots. We've got to pinpoint where they are and then rush in upon it. Go for it. All in, head first. So, three things I just want us to look at and unpack. Firstly, we see here at the 1115, a congregation who delights in the gospel of our saviour, Jesus Christ. Emphasis on delights. We delight in the gospel of our saviour, Jesus Christ. My youngest daughter, Annie, you may have seen her and heard her this morning, rumbling around at the front here, stuffing her face full of bananas. Um, she absolutely delights, and I do mean that word. The definition of delight for us at the moment as a family is seeing Annie having her teeth brushed, watching either Cocomelon or um, Elmo from Sesame Street. Okay, 
either one of those two. Started with Elmo at Sesame Street, now it's moved on to something called Cocomelon, which is just cartoon nursery rhymes and songs. Now, the brushing of the teeth itself, she's not a big fan of, and she will not enjoy that part, but when it's teeth brushing time, and I'm in another room, she's in a different room, I've got the toothpaste and the toothbrush ready. I'm on the floor, I've got my phone, Coco Melon is on. She's busying herself doing something else with baby and crib. All I have to do is just say, Annie, Coco Melon, <laughs> or Elmo actually, Elmo. And she will respond with, all the way in the other room, Elmo, Elmo. And all I'll hear is the pitter-patter of feet come running into whatever room I'm in. She will find me. She'll plunk herself right down there. She'll lie back, because she's at that age where I'm having to hold her mouth open and just really brush it for her, get it in there. Um, she, she'll lie back, I'll get the phone out, and that girl is the happiest, joyous little girl in those two minutes. Don't push more than two minutes, that is the rule, two minutes, no less either. Um, she is the most delighted girl in the whole. Nothing you can do, more or less, in those two minutes. Say or anything could happen to her that will distract her from her delight in Elmo and Coco Melon while brushing her teeth. And it's the same for my eldest one, Elowen. She was the other one next to us as well. She gets no more, usually, confession time as a parent, of, of television for an hour can creep over a little bit. Some of you might be thinking an hour, that's a lot anyway. Um, but for us, it's okay, we're healthy with that. But she looks forward to that hour so much throughout the day, because she loves something called Octonauts. You're having a crash course, Tom Blow knows what I'm talking about. You're having a crash course in current kids' entertainment television. Uh, Octonauts, I'll tell you what, if you're gonna pick one though, pick Octonauts and not flipping Peppa Pig or something like that, because if you want something that's somewhat healthy and educational for your kids, Anthony, you know what I'm talking about, Captain Barnacles is the way forwards, all right? <laughs> I put a poster up, because she, she got an Octonauts um, magazine from my parents over a holiday. She, it, it came with a poster. I popped up the poster, I showed her, and she just went through it several times. Dashi, tweak. Captain Barnacles, all the names of the characters, Dr. Inklin, and she was just listing them all up. She loves it. And when she plonks herself down on the sofa, front of the TV, that one hour she gets, she is in the zone. She is connected, she is plugged in. It's obviously somewhat scary, which is why you've got to have discipline and barriers in place. But when she's watching it, she is loving it. She's laughing her head off. She is so happy. I'm speaking to her, granny and granddad are speaking to her, nothing. She is there, she's living it, she's in it, and she's absolutely delighting in it. For these two girls, that, in this season of their life anyway, is the ultimate expression and experience of total joy and absolute happiness for them. It seems ridiculous to us, obviously, but for them, in their season of life, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, nothing could detract them or distract them from their joy in these things that they love to see. Now we know, obviously, or hopefully we do, some of us are journeying in it, of course, that true, lasting, real delight, true, lasting, real joy, true, lasting, real happiness is found only in Jesus Christ and his gospel. 
aka his good news, his great news, as Tim mentioned to us when he spoke recently. It's not just good news. These days we need to kind of express it as great news because it's better than good, his brilliant news. And we are invited to enjoy that. The Father invites us to come in and enjoy what's there on offer for us all the time, which is his son and the work that he's done for us. And so without bypassing what exactly I mean by his gospel and good news, it's the very fact that we are sinners born into a sinful world, unable to do anything but to go against God and his ways to do our own thing in our own way, in our own paths, to go away from him, to turn our backs and our faces towards him. We were born and we live as sinners, lost and blind, far away from God, our father and our creator. That's what we are born into and that's what we live with and in up until we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. But part of that is the reality that in a moment of history, 2,000 years ago, a woman called Mary conceived the one true son of God, Jesus of Nazareth. He was born for us. He was born of a woman and he was born of God. He was born of Mary and he was born of the Spirit. He is the God man. He's the only being in the entire existence of our universe who can claim rightfully and truthfully that he is both fully man, fully human and fully God. And our minds will always explode in trying to get around that. So it's pointless to do so. It's a faith leap when it comes to that. But the offer we've been extended is that this happened. This is the reality. So Jesus was both sinless, righteous, as in he was right before God. He was holy in that he was pure and he was set apart before God. And he was God himself, all powerful, mighty, wonderful, glorious. But he set that aside so that he could live his life for 33 years obeying God, doing nothing wrong, nothing that is against God's ways, God's values, God's laws, because there was something called the, the law, you might recall from the Old Testament. Jesus obeyed that ultimately. Every T crossed, every dot I, where we couldn't. We can't live that way. We have to trust in someone who did it for us, and Jesus did it for us. Jesus Christ lived for us so that he could give us his righteousness so he could give us his perfection so that he could make us right with God himself and then all that culminated on a hill on a rugged cross where and you know the story many of us will where he died for us he was crucified for us he bled purposefully he had his blood purposefully poured out for us sinners people who rejected him before currently, then and there, and all those who would in the future. He bled and died for them in their place condemned he stood. In our place, I should say. In our place, in my place, Jesus Christ bled and died as my substitute. I deserved that. That was my right punishment because I was something called a lawbreaker, a God-hater. And Some of us might think, well, I'm not a God-hater. I just don't really care about any of that stuff. You know, I don't, or I might not believe it, or I'm indifferent. 
doesn't matter. If we're not loving him, if we're not for him, if we don't accept the, that invitation, we are lost in our own destruction, in our own ways, which leads to death. The wages of sin, it says in the Bible, is death. But when we come to know Jesus, put our faith, our hope, and our trust in him as he died on the cross for us, and that he rose from the grave three days later, and that his is the victory, he's won, he's given us perfection, he's given us life and eternity and joy and happiness and delight, a relationship with our creator God. We can know him as father, not just creator. He's given us a place in, in heaven, in his kingdom. He's given us an identity. He's given us purpose. He's given us meaning. He's taken away God's right wrath and holy anger off us and away from us so that we could know his love, his mercy, his grace, his peace. Hell is not our destination, being cut off from God in utter darkness, but life, delight, happiness in heaven, in the kingdom, a place set beside God and one another where we'll eat and we'll drink together forever, delighting never knowing pain, sorrow or grief or unhappiness, nothing like that. That is the hope we have for those who call themselves disciples of Jesus Christ. And that is something of the gospel that we come together as a church around. That is the pinnacle, the core, the very crux of our church and why we exist. It's for that gospel and something of the shard of light I've just tried to shine out to you guys. But it's all in scripture. By all means, unpack it for yourselves. But that is the gospel or something of it. Jesus was born for you, lived for you, died for you, rose again for you, ascended to heaven for you, prays for you now and will come again to claim you back as his son and his daughter and his child and take you to be with him. That's what we want to be happy about. That's what we want to smile about. That's what we want to have a skip in our step about. That's what we want to mark our lives with, all about that glorious good news of Jesus. But how do we learn to delight in this, to find true joy and real happiness in Jesus? And just to get practical with all of you, just some simple physical steps that we can all take, those of us who know and love Jesus as our saviour, is to regularly read his words, to regularly read scripture. May your Diet be mostly, if not daily, the written word of God. Consume it, obey it. Don't just read it and do your own thing, but read it and put it into practice. Having God's word in us will cause us to overflow with happiness as we read the very words that our loving God wants us to know so that we can know him better and live more like him and be more like him and serve him with all the honour and respect we want to do. Let's read our Bibles, carve it out in our busy schedules, make it a priority, nothing will distract me. My phone will be switched off, I will be in a different room, I will put that thing out of my mind, it's me and the very words of God inspired by him, written by him, profitable for teaching, training, correcting us, challenging us, rebuking us, so we can live righteously, so we can live well, so we can live holy lives that reflect him. Let's read our Bibles and make it central. Specifically, by the way, 
the Gospels and, the, and the, new, the letters, what are called the epistles, the letters, the Gospels and the letters, the New Testament, if you really want to get to the heart of it straight away. Give thanks, secondly, in prayer for Jesus and the Gospel. I tell you what, if you make this some, a somewhat of a regular habit in your life to intentionally, while you carve out time to pray, to give thanks for what Jesus has done for you in his life, his death on that cross, his resurrection on the grave. What we're doing is we're preaching to ourselves. We're, we're teaching ourselves. We're speaking the word of God back to ourselves as we pray, even though we're doing it to our Father in prayer. It's all being soaked up by us. So give thanks and let's explode with gratitude and thankfulness for the good news of Jesus. Actually speak it back to him. Lord Jesus, thank you that you bled. I'm do it right now even. I'll just do it right now. Why not? I'm speaking about it. Lord Jesus, on behalf of us as a congregation here, just thank you. And as perhaps maybe a, a demonstration, a template, Lord Jesus, thank you for your death for me on the cross, that you hung in my place on that tree where I deserved to be and bled and died so that you could wash me white as snow. You could wipe away every sin in my life and you can give me a healthy, true right, holy relationship with God, our Father. Remind me of that. Thank you that you stretched out your hands to, to save me. You bled all over me so that you could wash away my guilt and my condemnation so that I could know your acceptance. I could know your welcome. I could know what it is to be in a relationship with you. Lord Jesus, thank you for that. Amen. Um, so let's give thanks. Let's give thanks in prayer. Sing the gospel as well. I mean, this isn't something necessarily in scripture as a, as a, as a kind of mandate. You won't find it necessarily anywhere uh, apart from those times of obviously uh, singing and worshipping together. But finding time to just put on some kind of music, some kind of song that speaks, that sings to you and over you the gospel story in some way or what Jesus has done, who he is how he has worked and laboured and ministered for our salvation and our redemption, whatever it might be. Just to throw out some examples, again, getting really practical, I really, really enjoy and find this kind of content in bands like Sovereign Grace Music. For anyone who may have come across these bands, Sovereign Grace Music, and if you're writing it down, feel free to, or get your phone out if you want to make a note. Sovereign Grace Music, it does get a bit old school, apologies. But you know what? The oldies just had it right. You guys who are a bit older than us, you flipping had it right with oh, so many things that we have slightly gone a different way on. So let's get back. Younger folks, we need to get back onto this, onto this lane here that they were on. Uh, Keith and Kirsten Getty. Oh, flipping amazing. Keith and Kirsten Getty. Uh, something new, though. City Alight. Australian band, City Alight. Uh, and then for people who are part of our family of churches, Stonely Bible Week music, absolutely love that stuff. But that is proper 70s and 80s. So there's a bit of a flavour to that. Uh, but it's the content. It's the words. So I'm going to say that again. Sovereign Grace Music, Keith and Kirsten Getty, City Alight, and then Stonely Bible Week. You can find all these bands on Spotify. We've got a Spotify account. We've just got a list of downloaded bands like these. So let's sing the gospel. Again, it's us singing and soaking it back up again. 
Also, read a book about the good news, something that unpacks it. I'm a big reader. I know some of our students here are uh, probably getting a bit annoyed with me now, but every time I finish a book, George, you're probably one of them. Every time I finish a book, and Chris, I will send them a picture of that book and said, this was great, you should read this. Even if it's about a Scottish minister in the 1800s, I don't care, you will learn something about him. Um, but read books that unpack the gospel. Just some that were in my library that I've just absolutely appreciate and you can come over to me afterwards if you don't quite write down the name here um, but these are books that just unpack the good news of Jesus and explain what it is what it means and how it affects us C.J. Mahaney the cross living the cross-centered life C.J. Mahaney living the cross-centered life he's actually the guy that founded Sovereign Grace family of churches where the band comes from John Piper, Seeing and Savouring Jesus Christ. John Piper, Seeing and Savouring Jesus Christ. You can get loads of content from his ministry, Desiring God. Uh, well, that's for something later. Uh, yeah, two books that just came immediately to mind when I was looking through my bookcases. Read something that will just, outside of scripture, read something that will just point you back to what it's all about, what it all means. And then lastly, tell others about Christ and his good news. I tell you what, if you tell people about the good news, even as you are continuing, continuing to learn about it and get deeper in it yourself, it will come right back at you. Like speaking it to other people will solidify and strengthen the very gospel you, we claim to believe in. It will really strengthen and harden it in us. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, and then what will we see when we delight in Jesus? I'm going over, I do apologise, this is the first one. I've had a break, I've had a break, um, it's a warm-up, all right? Uh, what will we see when we delight in Jesus? We'll see a congregation who love him, talk about him, smile at the thought of him, endure suffering and trials with deep joy with him, be excited to worship him, gladly serve him in the local church as well, and commit to his bride who we are, whatever that might look like, whether it is with your money, whether it is with your time, whether it is with your presence, whether it is with your energy, however it looks like for you to serve and be involved, all of these are an outpouring demonstration of our delight in Jesus because the thing you love and delight in is the very thing you wanna be part of and always around and always involved in. Have your, have your planet orbit around, as it were. Okay, so. Next, we see a congregation who practice the power of the Spirit. Now, we won't go into detail on this due to time, but also because we're receiving in this season so much ample opportunities and teachings in this stuff to step out. For example, with Gordon Hazelton's current teaching series that he's going through on the Holy Spirit and his gifts, but then also, as Tim mentioned as well, um, uh, Jeff Steady's School of Prophecy that I'll be starting in October. So I won't give too much time here uh, for those things, but keep an eye out and an ear out and keep on social media to see further updates about those things. Uh, but our desire here is to facilitate open opportunities for spirit-led contributions during our times together. We wanna cultivate that atmosphere, whether it's reading a scripture, praying out, prophecies, visions, tongues and their interpretation, words of knowledge and wisdom, healings. We want to be open and available to the spirits moving and ministering in our midst when we get together as it, is an, as it would even be an expectation 
that it will happen. There's an expectation we want to, we want to garner, we want to grow within ourselves whenever we come to meet. We want to be a congregation also who have spiritual discernment so we learn to hear and see with spiritual ears and spiritual eyes what the Father is doing and join him in it, even as I said at the start, it's unexpected. We jump on that. And also, basically, we want to be a supernatural community like the New Testament Church of Acts, which is our template, our model. Uh, We want to be that supernatural community where our Father works powerfully in our midst by his Spirit, through his words, in our lives, so that those of us who are disciples already can continue to mature. Those who are unbelievers can maybe, God willing, fall down and say, what must I do to be saved? Or in some formats like that. Uh, And ultimately, Jesus is exalted, elevated. He's lifted up uh, high. And that was the only other book here that I mentioned. If you want to continue, kind of like a supplement to what we're doing here with our school and with our teaching series. But Sam Storms, Practicing the Power, is a great book that is uber practical, down to earth and gritty in what it looks like, how we step out practically, what it, you know, what it, what it actually looks like for you to think and do and speak uh, these things. And the second thing just to recommend, which I absolutely loved and learned so much for, if you're a visual person as opposed to reading, go on YouTube, John Wimber, guy that founded the Vineyard family of churches, 1985 Signs and Wonders Conference. Good stuff, good stuff. Um, So, lastly then, we see a congregation who glorifies our Father in heaven. Started a new job recently, uh, over the summer actually, working in the finance department of the place that I work in for the finance director. Uh, And I was clearing out my office and making it my own, as you tend to do, moving things around, binning a few other things. And I came across the old director's magnifying glass. We've just had a new one installed. The old one, he was old, he retired, he moved on. Um, And uh, he had a magnifying glass, which I can only assume meant that he had to look at a lot of contracts and a lot of numbers, finance director, as you can imagine. So he wanted to be, he was old school, like magnifying glass, making sure he's crossing every T, dot and every I. But I came across this and I was like, oh wow, okay, yeah. And you know, when you haven't actually looked at something for a long time, I can't remember the last time I picked up a magnifying glass to look through it, but I was like, it does the trick, doesn't it? It really does magnify things. But it just, it reminded me of how That is exactly what we want to be like when it comes to God. We want to get a magnifying glass up at the Lord so that he is magnified, so that he is extended, so that he takes up all the space in that glass. We want God to take up all the space in this church. We want God to take up all the space in our lives. There's nothing that he can't claim as his own in our lives and in this church. He is everywhere and in every part of all that we do in our activities and in our groups. We want to magnify him. So we want to make him big. We want to elevate him, all his glory, his worth, his honor, his majesty, his awesomeness, his wonder, his excellence. I could go on and on and on. God is great and should greatly be praised at the 1115 congregation. It is all about God the Father when we come together to meet him. 
And then how do we do this? By approaching him together in our gatherings with awe, wonder, respect, intimacy, and amazement. Respect and intimacy aren't a polar opposites. Both come together. When we get together, we respect a holy, awesome God, and we love and worship a dear Father in heaven who prays for us. We want to cultivate an attitude of gratitude, giving him thanks for who he is and all he's doing in our lives and in the life of our church. We want to obey him when he speaks and nudges us to say or do something. God is a God of encouragement and he's a God of nudging as well. And we want to obey whatever he's saying or showing us. And we want to serve him as a body in different teams and volunteering in honour of him. We want to honour and respect the awesomeness of our God. We want to give ourselves. We want to be all in for what he's got planned for us with dedication and commitment. And that comes out in how we serve and how we give of our time and our energy. And then also behaving at all times in such a way that brings respect to his name, the faith, his church and the gospel as well. That shines a great light on how amazing and lovely and precious and wonderful our God is. So then just to conclude, and I will wrap up with this, apologies. This is kind of like a bit of a manifesto for us as an 11.15, so I'm sorry I've creeped over a little bit, but I really wanted to get out these three things we want to aim for as, uh, as the identity of our congregation. So the, that's what we're aiming for. This is what we want to be known for. This is what we want everyone who is present with us to feel, to see, and to hear when they're in our midst. So like I said, all that's left now is to extend that same invitation once again to get on board, journey with us together in in this for another year. If you've been with us, here are the questions. If you've been with us, will you continue to journey with us with dedication, discipleship, serving this church, serving our beloved city of Worcester and anyone and anyone we might come in contact with? If you're new, visiting, getting to know us, how about it? Does it sound like something you want to get on board with and join in the ride with us on? And if you're not a believer or your faith is just nowhere near the healthy place it's supposed to be, speak to the person you come with. Speak to me, speak to Tim. Let's bring you back to Jesus before we do anything else. Okay, that's what's important here. So those are the things. So which of us, who of us wants to delight in the gospel of our saviour Jesus, who wants to practice the power of the Holy Spirit in our midst, and who wants to glorify God our Father when we come together and as we lead our lives. If you do, join us, engage with us, participate with us, get involved in the life of the church and at the 11.15, and let's see what the Lord has in store for us in this next season it's exciting things may change things may be different things may be the same but in and through it all god has got a good and perfect plan for those he invites to join in on that plan with him amen we hope you enjoyed the talk further information about hope church can be found at www.hope-church.org Thank you for listening.